morning, Romans chapter 139. We serve a good God, don't we? I am so glad I don't have to strap, strap a bomb to my back to, to get special blessings in heaven. I'm so glad I don't have to say so many Hail Marys or confess my sins to some man on this earth, but I have a Heavenly Father who is the only mediator between God and man that ever was and ever will be. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 29, right down to, through 32. <clears throat> Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. Debate. You know, notice how debate's thrown in there. Deceit, malignity, uh, whisperers, that's gossiping, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Man, I think we're all on, on, on this list. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implicable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We talk about, well, that's not fair. Uh, uh, why, why would God judge, judge people for just this sin or that sin? That is God's judgment. Just because we, we put a standard because we're so wicked, we want to justify our wickedness and say, well, maybe, maybe it shouldn't be so bad. God's standard says that we're worthy of death. Right. Every one of us land on that page, amen, on, that, on those portions of Scripture. And the sinners, amen, we're all guilty of death and we're all guilty of hell. It's only by God's grace that he's given us a a hope of salvation through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, amen. Not salvation from our sins necessarily. We're all sinners, but salvation because of our sins, amen. We all still sin, but we now have a salvation from our dead works, amen. And we're now looking to Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, amen. Brother... Vipon, I'd be honored if you'd open in prayer for this message, sir. Can we turn to 1 John 1, 8? 1 John 1, 8. Amen. Point number one this morning, sinless perfection. Point number one, sinless perfection. While you're turning to 1 John 1, 8, can I tell you that we're all sinners? <coughs> and any honest person would agree with that. Romans three twenty three. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. There's a false doctrine out there called sinless perfection. Can we turn to Psalms 103.10? Psalms 103.10. It's also called entire sanctification. It's called Christian perfection. Different names from it. It's predominantly, uh, you'll find this taught in Methodist churches, usually. Uh, but the concept of sinless perfection rests strongly on Psalms 103.12. 
Psalms 103.12. Amen. It's, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, let's start back in verse 10. <clears throat> he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's the concept of forgiveness, not sinlessness. I spank my children. They're, they're still sinners. They, they get spanked, but I forgive them for what they do. I forgive them. Now, you don't have to turn there, but Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. We, we still have consequences for our sins. Uh, anybody would tell you that. I, I'm, I'm a diabetic. Uh, uh, there's consequences for eating sugar. There's consequences for when we sin. You, 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 you steal and you get caught. Uh, you, maybe you get put in jail. There's consequence for it, right? It's just as there is consequence for our sins. But the difference is for the born-again believer, although we're still guilty, we have been forgiven of our sins. Amen for that. I'm so thankful for that. But how is that possible? By accepting the free gift of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul acknowledges this. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Paul even acknowledged the guilt of sin, even as a Christian. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Give you a moment to turn there. I have a tendency to go too fast. I don't want to. I I, I used to travel. I used to be on a platform all the time in a a music group, and uh, we were always very mindful of people's time. It drives me crazy when people get up on the platform and then it takes six minutes before they're ready. I want to be mindful of people's time, so I think that was the basis I try to speed too much, and I speed too much. Amen. I need to slow down when I'm reading verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, who's us? Talking about Christians. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, Christians, and let us, Christians, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Turn to James chapter 5, 16. We'll turn three or four more times this morning. James chapter 5, verse 16. The book right before Hebrews. Right after Hebrews. James 5, 16. It says, confess your faults one to another. He's talking to Christians. We mess up. We're sinners. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Righteous men have faults. Righteous men can sin. And it may be that we're all still sinners, but we're all still sinners that have been forgiven of our sins by God's grace and mercy. Woo, I'm thankful for that. The false doctrine of sinless perfection has a sister ideology of something called sin equality. Sin equality. First of all, <clears throat> there are different consequences for different sins throughout the Bible. Turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> but there's different consequences for different sins throughout all the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve were sin. Uh, uh, sin. They, they disobeyed 
uh, God. They had one thing that they weren't allowed to do. And what does mankind do? They got to do that one thing. You tell your child not to do that one thing, they're going to do it. You tell Brother Ron, don't do that, he's going to do it. Amen. They got kicked out of the garden. There's a consequence for their sin. Satan uh, used the, the, the body of a, I, I guess it would have been, a, I guess a snake at that time uh, had some sort of legs to walk on. The consequence of, uh, of, of lying to, getting mankind to fall, lying to Eve, and God told Satan, you're going to, that the snake's going to slither on the ground. Adam and Eve were forced to work out the, uh, work for, for their food by the sweat of their brow. All of a sudden, now things just got really hard. Weeds now start to grow. Man, I hate weeds. Do you, you know that the weeds are like really the product of sin? I think mosquitoes are too, but I can't prove that. But really, boy, what, God created a perfect garden. Earth was so wonderful. The, 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 the place where he put mankind, there was no weeds growing. That would have been so great. I would speculate it's for another message we could talk, but I think that the vegetables and the fruit grew way bigger than we have today. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, did I tell you to turn there yet? Amen. This is where Cain killed Abel. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. You know, man, there's consequence for, for murder. There's consequence for sin. Uh, mankind was so wicked, God drowned them all. Just about. Look at chapter 6, verse 5. You're right there. Genesis 6, verse 5. Not angel chapter 6. I don't know why somebody would think I'd say angel. But Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Amen. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on, on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. You know, after the Red Sea crossing, God laid out all kinds of rules for his people. They, they were uh, essentially like living in prison. What's the word for that? Uh, uh, institutionalized. They've been slaves 400, genera- uh, 400 years of generation after generation. So they come out. It's like a man that's been in prison all of his life. He don't even know how to deal with society. How to, you know, He's been told to do this every day and he has the same pattern. Same with the children of Israel. God laid out things for them to do. Very specifically, this is how I want you to be. And it wasn't just how to govern themselves, but how to be a separated people because that's what his bloodline was coming through for the Son of God. But along with all those rules that he gave them, and there were some stringent rules for the Jews, God laid out consequences for these rules. God lays them out. And you can read them and you can study them for yourself. Um, Amen. You say, well, are are all sins equal? Well, I can tell you there's no sin in heaven. God doesn't allow sin in heaven. That's why Satan was kicked out. Amen. So, So all sin and any sin, one sin will make you a sinner. 
of which will keep you out of the presence of God, barring you except the free gift of salvation. You don't have to turn there, but James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. So anybody that ever says, well, I follow the word of God. No, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never been spiritually born again. But I follow the law and I follow the word. Do you follow it, really? Because there's only one person that's ever been able to actually follow all of the law. We all offend in one point or another. And can I give you a clue? It's like a lot of points, not one or two. Amen. We're all guilty. We're not just born sinners with a sin nature, but we are all sinners by our actions. Uh, uh, Ray Comfort has a ministry in California or Florida somewhere. And he's kind of known for it. He'll, 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 he'll take his little dog and his bike and he's got his sunglasses and he, and he asks people questions. And, and uh, he'll ask them basically if, if they're going to heaven. And a lot of times they'll say uh, yes or no. And he'll ask them, why do you think you're going to heaven? They'll often say, well, I'm a good person. Okay, then they'll say, okay, well, why are you a good person? Well, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and I haven't done that. And, and what Ray Cuffer will point out is, well, you're comparing yourself to that person. Okay, you, you, you're, we're making a standard for ourselves. I, I feel like I shouldn't go to hell. I feel like I shouldn't have anything done wrong to me because, for the most part, I, I want good things for people. And all the things that I've done wrong, I want God to justify. That's what mankind does. We want to justify all of our sins. But the problem, the problem is Dan Gunther didn't create a list of requirements that if you can keep all the commandments, you can go to heaven. God's the one that laid out the rules. And, and, and Ray Comfort would say, well, there's Ten Commandments. Let's go down to Ten Commandments. What do you call somebody that steals? Well, they're a thief. What do you call somebody that told a lie? Just one lie. Just one lie. Makes you a liar. What do you call somebody that... Um, um, Thanks upon lust with a woman <clears throat> just in their heart. Well, you, you call them an adulterer at heart, right? Because God said, if you think the lust upon your heart, you're an adulterer. Amen. So all of a sudden, according to God's law, just at a quick little overview, you're a lying thief, adulterer at heart. I mean, all of a sudden, you're not looking too good. But yet, but yet we think as mankind, because we're at the top of the food chain, I guess, and we're so sophisticated that God, you know, he, he, we deserve to be with God. And he's going to take care of me for eternity. No, no. By God's grace, he allows us salvation. By God's grace. Because we don't deserve it. I certainly don't deserve it. And anybody who thinks that they deserve it, they're fooling themselves just like the scripture that we just read. Can we turn to Roman, uh, Revelations 21.8? Revelations 28.1.8. Why are you turning there? 1 John 3.15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You ever hate somebody that you know? You just want them dead? I'm not talking about driving in traffic. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, and look at this, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Some will look at this verse and say that all sin is equal in God's eyes. 
And we're the ones that make sin one worse over another. But what does the Word of God tell us? What does common sense tell us? There was a man at my work that once said that, that all sin is equal to God. I just thought that was the craziest thing. I mean, yeah, uh, all sin will keep you out of the presence of God, for sure. Any sin will. It will. Any sin, will, all sin will equally keep you out of the presence of God. We could say that. But not all sins are equal. And uh, it was homosexuality that came up at the time. And he was saying homosexuality is, is, is no worse than a, a liar or a murderer stealing something. It's all just the same to God. Well, that's not true. We like to think that because what do we do? We want to make, make whatever our personal sin is, we want to make it like better. We want to make it not sound as bad, right? <clears throat> My reply to him was, Barring we're talking about homosexuality at the time, I said, well, you know, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for their wicked sexual sins. He didn't destroy the surrounding cities. He destroyed two whole cities because of their immoral homosexuality. All kinds of awful sexuality, but homosexuality was in there. God destroyed the cities completely. God does not treat all sin Equally, there's different consequences for it. Um, you're, you're not far, Genesis 13, 13. Genesis 13, 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It didn't say the same as all every other city. It said, no, these cities were wicked more exceedingly, as in more sinful. The concept that all sin is equal is, is the idea that God's looking down and it's like a mountaintop. All the mountains look the same from up top, but just down from our point of view, it looks like all sins are, are, are different because the, the, the mountaintops are different heights. Look, look, look. God doesn't just have a bird's eye view. Folks, he's looking in from our hearts. And, and if we think in our hearts with lust, what's that make us? An adulterer. He's not looking from way up there like he's some uh, a restricted to our area? No, no, no. No, he can see our hearts whether you're saved or not. He can see how wicked we are. And we're wicked. We are wicked. Save Jesus Christ. Amen. Hmm. I have so much scripture. Um, turn to John 19.11. We'll be there in a moment. John 19.11. John 19, 11. Amen. <clears throat> While you're turning there, there is a sin unto death. 1 John 5, 16. It says, If any man see his brother sin a sin uh, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that uh, sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he should pray for it. Verse 17, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Some believe that that's referring to the Old Testament law that God laid out for Israel in the cities of refuge. And I want to read it there while you're turning to, first, uh, while you're turning to John 19, 11. <clears throat> Numbers 15, 29 says, Ye, You shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. You say, what are you talking about? <clears throat> 
Either way, however you read this, the word of God clearly states that there's a sin worthy of death and a sin not worthy of death. So here's the answer to the question, are all sins equal? No. All sins are not equal. There's no scripture that tells us that all sins are equal. Lying is not the same as murder, and murder is not the same as homosexuality, and uh, if you rape somebody, that's not the same as stealing a pencil from your teacher. <clears throat> but you know, there's a greater sin. <clears throat> Here in John chapter 19, verse 11, we find Jesus standing before Pilate. It says, And Jesus answered, Thou couldest uh, have no power at all against me, except that were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Are all sin equal? No. Jesus calls out a greater sin. He's referring to Judas at the time. His sin was greater because he knew that it was wrong. You have to turn there, but Romans 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. There's a responsibility in maturing in the Lord. There's a responsibility that, 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 that comes with growing. Yeah, let's take spiritual growth out of it. Let's just talk about maturing as a human being. There's, there's responsibility that comes with it. You, you hear a little baby crying all by you go, you go take care of it. You, you see somebody with a flat tire, you, 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 you got to take care of it. There's responsibility that comes with the same with spiritual responsibility. There's spiritual responsibility. If we know that it's wrong to do something or we should be doing something, it is now a sin to us if we don't do it. And that's different for different people. Because you know what? Not, there's some baby Christians that don't even know better for things. And I thank God for God's grace. And we as Christians need to learn to give grace to other people that don't even know any better. The problem comes when it's a year later and there's zero growth. Right? There, there was a man that got saved at our... Uh, church probably 10 years years ago and uh, he got saved and he had the longest hair man uh mexican fella super nice nice family <clears throat> i think he was a trucker but uh man he had the longest hair way down to here nobody said nothing to him about three weeks went by he got it cut and oh yeah that's right i forgot about jimmy he got it cut and man what a what a blessing it was he, he said you know what i just felt like i needed to cut my hair Nobody need to harp on him for nothing. Let him grow on his own, right? I thank God for God's grace. We need to exercise that grace, you know, because not everybody grows at the same speed. I don't grow at the same speed, amen. I grow in other ways, but not, amen, amen. There's a, a um, turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. That'll be our last portion of scripture this morning. Matthew 12, 36. <clears throat> we used to uh, play every year at a hootenanny up north Michigan, uh, Lupton, Michigan, brother Paul Heaton. They still do it. He's a great church, great pastor. And, uh, man, me and my brothers would bring our cooler of Coca-Colas, ice-cold Coca-Colas, man. And he would always bring a cooler of Pepsis. And it was like a war, Coke versus Pepsi. You can ask him today. He'll tell you about it. And every year he would bring up that verse, uh, uh, James 4, 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, doeth not to him it is sin. And you say, them Gunther boys right there know that they should be having Pepsi in their cooler, but yet they still bring Coke every year. Amen. Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Can I ask you a question? 
What's the sin that so easily besets us? Or what's the sin that so easily besets you? None of us are perfect. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. If we were honest with ourselves, we would say we're not perfect. In fact, if we're really honest with ourselves, we realize that we're really not perfect. The only perfect one is Ava, the only one. Amen. Amen. None of us are perfect, yet we're still accountable for the sins that we commit. There's still consequences for sins. If Ben goes out, robs a bank, there's still consequences for his sins. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Although guilty, we are forgiven by the one who has the authority to forgive. If you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. Matthew 12, 31, you have an unpardonable sin. I remember guys in the locker room talking about this and they all had their different opinions of what the unpardonable sin is and some would say well it was murder and some would say it was rape or some would say it was burning a church down that'd be unpardonable you know you know what none of those are unpardonable you know what you know what's unpardonable the answer is right here Matthew twelve thirty one. wherefore i send you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You, did you know that you don't have to say anything to say anything at all? If we saw an old person getting beat up on the, on the sidewalk, and we just stood there and watched and didn't say anything, we're making a statement. We're saying, I'm fine with them getting beat up because I'm not going to say anything about it. We're making a statement. Right? The same thing is for the lost person who never accepts Christ. There will be many that say, I to die, I don't want to get saved, I want nothing to do with that. But in not saying anything at all, you're saying, uh, just stand on the sidelines saying, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to acknowledge the saving power of the Holy Ghost. I, I, they might even know that God sent His Son Jesus to die for them on a cruel cross for the sins of all mankind. They might even know that, but say, I'm not going to partake of salvation just because of how I was raised. No, I've never read the whole Bible. No, I've never really studied what salvation is or what God wants us to know. But I was taught this, so I'm not going to partake in that. That is the unpardonable sin is not to accept Christ for salvation. Period. End of story. It's not murder. You can be a murderer and be saved. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. But yet, boy, there's still grace enough for all that. But you know what there's no grace for? Not accepting the saving power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The act of, re, uh, of refusal to what God has offered us. The rejection of man, God says he can forgive, but the rejection of the Holy Ghost, he cannot and he will not. I am thankful that, man, I, 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 I want to say you guys don't know how sinful I am. But here's the reality. 
You actually do because you know how sinful you are. If we were honest with ourselves, what, what happens is in our culture, we want to say that, well, no, I got a good job. I got a good house. I was raised in a good family. I'm not that sinful. I'm not as bad as Charles Manson. Well, is it really that wise to compare yourselves among yourselves? Scripture says no. If we're living by Scripture, if we want to abide by Scripture with what God told us to do, he says don't compare yourselves one to another. It's all about Christ. It's all about his shed blood. And it's all about accepting Christ as your personal Savior. A lot of people will say, well, I believe in God, you know, and I call myself a Christian. I go to church. Where in the entire Bible, in all of Jesus' teachings, did he say that gets you into heaven? Nowhere. Nowhere. If I, I'm not great on cars. Where's dollars to tell you? He's, he's helped me out a couple of times on my lawnmower. But if I go into a garage and I sit there amongst mechanics, does that make me a mechanic? No. Well, if I call myself a mechanic and I put a mechanic tag on me, does that make me a mechanic? No. If I go to church and I call myself a Christian and I say, I believe in God. I even believe that Jesus uh, shed his blood for my sins. Does that make you a Christian? No. But the difference is, just what Jesus talked about, telling Nicodemus, you've got to have that spiritual birth. There needs to be a time in your life where you, you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Not just a personal Savior for mankind, but personally yours, and that's where salvation is. If you're not saved this morning, we'll have an invitation here, and uh, amen. And then somebody would be happy to come talk with you. I'd be happy to come talk with you. Or, uh, amen. Let's... Uh, Let's, can we stand and turn to page 468? We'll have a few verses of invitation. We'll stand and sing page 468, Without Him. I love this chorus talking about Jesus, because it's all about